3: This is
0: The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on vSend, the Sports
2: Betting Network. What's up? Welcome in. Another edition of The Edge here on vSend, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, Matt Humans alongside as well. Good show, just the two of us as we go through an hour today and a lot of news in the National Football League. Get to Major League Baseball as well, the race for the AL wildcard humans, but got to start with the news, uh, I think, throughout the National Football League because there's a lot that came down over the last, I'd say, 12 to 4, uh, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And I want to start with a game that's the top of your list, one that I know that you've been looking at since the beginning of the week. We talk about overreactions, right? The Carolina Panthers, uh, they barely get by. They comfortably won against the New York Jets, gave up a garbage touchdown at the end of that game on Sunday, and the Saints just Paced the Green Bay Packers. So we see the market reaction. A game on the look at headline that was picked gets up to as high as four. Well, it's not been going well for the New Orleans Saints since Sunday and since beating the crap out of the Green Bay Packers. The latest news is that they're dealing with a COVID outbreak on the coaching staff. They're in mitigation protocols. We're talking about six coaches on the offensive side of the ball, one player, one nutritionist as well. They did place wide receiver Michael Thomas on the reserve COVID-19 list on Tuesday, so maybe that gives you who the player is. But regardless, look at this chain of events for the New Orleans Saints. Since Sunday, and what has gone down with this team? Because it escalated quickly. This has not been good. Marshawn Lattimore gets injured on Sunday, undergoes surgery. He's out for the foreseeable future. Marcus Davenport ruled out with a pectoral strain. Eric McCoy, their starting center, out multiple weeks with a calf strain. And then you get this COVID outbreak among the coaching staff. They're holding strong as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but overreaction, line value, and everything going on around this program, how in the world can you feel confident laying those points on the road with I New don't, Orleans?
3: I don't. I'm going to take the points here and uh... – I might as well be a member of the Saints with uh, everything going on. I lost my voice here this morning trying to get it back uh, for the show. But I, I took the three and a half with the Panthers. And I, I'm still, I'm not that impressed with the 38-3 to win by the, uh, by the Saints over the Packers. Uh, basically because, if you look at it, the Packers just no-showed. Aaron Rodgers no-showed. And Jameis Winston passed for five touchdowns. He was not sacked or intercepted, I I don't think the Packers did anything special defensively, uh, anything at all defensively, let me me put Mm -hmm. it that way. The Saints, I think it was a deceiving 35-point win. Let's put it that way. And a lot of people are going to overreact. Well, they beat a quality team like the Packers by by five touchdowns. And uh, the Panthers were not that impressive against the Jets. But when you look at these week two games, I think you have to – you, you got to kind of throw some of that stuff out the window and say uh, the Panthers are going to be live dogs in this game. I, I really believe that because um, – Live cats. What's that? Live cats. Live cats uh. plus three and a half. Sam Darnold played well. Christian McCaffrey totaled 100 and um, i say 90 – 187 total yards.
2: Yeah, 98 game. yards on the ground and 89 yards. Yeah, <laughs> 187 total yards. <laughs> yeah. Makes a
3: big difference. When he's back in the offense, and he is, and uh, uh, I, I think the the Panthers are going to be live. Like you said, the Saints have mounting injury issues. They already had issues with uh, Will Lutz and Michael Thomas out, mm-hmm. and this is a flat spot off a 35-point win over the Packers, essentially on the road for the second straight week. I think the the Saints are going to be fragile favorites.
2: Yeah, and I, at the beginning of the week, I, I did have the Saints on kind of like my long list of plays to consider because, you know, I, I'm high on New Orleans. I think, you know, going into the week against Green Bay, right, we talked about it for me. It's going to be, yeah, New Orleans are pass ended. I'm not playing it. And, and you look at New Orleans as a whole, right, defensively they're a very good team, one of the better offensive lines. But without Davenport, without Lattimore, it, it kind of takes me off of this, plus the COVID issues that we have now seen. Uh, but for me, like you hit on a key point for me, which makes me just leave this game alone. Because while Darnold's numbers were relatively impressive, if you break it down by what he actually did, right, there's room for, against a pretty good defensive team, him not to perform that well. Because if you look at what he did against the Jets, 15 of his attempts came from zero to nine yards. Seven of them were behind the line of scrimmage. He did most of his damage within nine yards sure. or behind the line of scrimmage. A lot of dink and dunk stuff, not asked to do a lot. He did have five throws of 20 or more yards downfield and he completed three of them. One of them was for a touchdown. So he did perform really well when asked to take those shots. But, but an offense like that against a defense at the level of the Saints where they're fully healthy, I think was a really good matchup for New Orleans, but now that they're not, given that their center is out too, I just it, there's too many things going on here for the New Orleans Saints to feel comfortable laying at least the three and a half you're, on the road. You're,
3: also, you're talking about a center who's a stud on that offensive line; yeah, he's, an, yep. he's an anchor on that offensive line. You're missing two key guys on defense, and it, it's it's far from an ideal situational spot when essentially you don't have any home games. You're practicing in Texas. Yep. You're traveling a lot here. I think there are a lot of things working against. The Saints again this week.
2: And speaking of spots that aren't really favorable, we talked about this yesterday. The Las Vegas Raiders, it's a short week already. You get a morning game against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday, uh, but you played on Monday night, got a big emotional win in front of your home crowd for the very first time. And not only is it a negative situation coming off of a big win on a short week going to the Hmm. East Coast, but it's also an injury situation here now for the Las Vegas Raiders. We know that Denzel Good tore his ACL. We saw him get carted off in that game. He's going to be done for the year along a rebuilt offensive line. He was one of the guys who had played for them a season ago. Gerald McCoy reportedly done as well. Yannick Ngakwe could be dealing with a long-term injury too. And Marcus Mariota, which, right, like in the grand scheme of things, maybe not. But if you're back a quarterback, a change of pace guy who was in that game, right, they use him in some packages, is not going to play. So now... We have the unfavorable scheduling situation for the Las Vegas Raiders. They trip to the East Coast after a big win on a short week and massive injuries just piling up for this team. Like this is, again, a situation where I had this team on my list. I, I used him in points per weekly, at uh, plus five and a half. I think this team is a little bit better than the market's getting credit for. But with the mounting injuries, cluster injuries at that along the defensive line, mm-hmm. which was supposed to be rebuilt and better with these guys, just don't know if I'd feel really confident with them.
3: No, and you know, it's also... About as bad a spot as you can possibly get for the Raiders. Off that Monday night win, you have to go to the East Coast and play one of the best defenses in the league. And um, especially with uh, the rebuilt offensive line now missing one of the key guys, I, I find it hard to take the points with the Raiders. I, in the NFL, you have to do a lot of matchup and situational handicapping. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the Panthers are at a disadvantage in a matchup against the Saints. But the situational uh, handicapping angles all point to the Panthers. And the injury issues with the Saints make you look at the Panthers. In this, in this case, uh, the situational angles all point to the Steelers. And I don't think it's a great matchup for the Raiders anyway.
2: Yep. And here's something that the, the Steelers, if you look at what they did against the Buffalo Bills, they unveiled, it's they even unveiled a new wrinkle. But this was a Steelers team that last year humans was just consistently, hey, we're going to blitz you. We're going to blitz you a, a good a chunk sure. of these downs. They were a top three team in terms of blitz percentage. But – they actually decided to go more the coverage route, going game plan-wise against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Then we blitzed a 1.8% of Josh Allen's dropbacks in week one. Just tells me that they're willing to change their game plan against an opponent like that. And Derek Carr, as we talked about, right, really good against the Blitz. He did it again against the Baltimore Ravens in week one. So I wonder if that's going to be a change there too. and if That's well, a good able point by you,
3: weeks. because Derek Carr is a really efficient quarterback against the Blitz. Yep. And uh, I was surprised last week that the Bills – or excuse me that the uh, the Steelers did not blitz more against Josh Allen but they still managed to get a lot of pressure on him yep They were going out and forced him into mistakes with all those coverage too, man. It was absolutely great. But uh, for those who don't
2: know, when blitzed by the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night, Derek Carr, about this, uh, 8 of 19, 42%, but did throw one of his touchdowns for 9.3 yards per attempt Had three big-time throws and only one turnover where they play when he was blitzed. So uh, again, Derek Carr, a really solid quarterback, and he's capable of doing a lot of things there. So Raiders, injury situations, unfavorable spot going to the East Coast after a big win on a short week. The Broncos are an interesting team because the Broncos, of course, just pick apart the New York Giants, do a really good job there. Teddy Bridgewater was phenomenal. Again, one of those guys behind line of scrimmage, zero to nine yards downfield. They have their own injury issues. Jerry Judy, Ronald Darby, both on injury reserve. Now, the cool thing is here is that it looked like a gruesome injury for Jerry Judy, and he's only going to be out, it looks like, maybe three weeks. Injured right. reserve is a minimum of three weeks, and then they can come back. Denver's a pretty sizable road favorite here against Jacksonville, still holding strong at six with a total of 45 and a half. I've not eliminated this, though, because played against Jacksonville in week one, right? Houston catching three. I I think the market is still not really realizing how bad this could potentially be for the Jags. You're already getting reports out of Jacksonville that Urban Meyer's wearing thin on the staff, the front office, everybody with the way that he handles things behind the scenes. I just think that this team is, from a power rating perspective, a little out of whack because Trevor Lawrence is there. Trevor Lawrence wasn't good against Houston, making consistent mistakes 4 turnover turnover-worthy plays. What's he going to do against Denver?
3: That's a good question because he uh, he he really he threw three picks against the uh, Texans. I don't think he looked that good. In fact, he piled up some garbage numbers yep. uh, late in that game after the game was out of hand. Uh, Urban Meyer, I think, is going to really struggle and probably not last too long at this job because you just cannot treat an NFL situation uh, like a college football program. You can't do it. We've seen college coaches go to the NBA and try to – uh, we saw that we saw with the Cleveland Cavaliers right. and John Beeline. You can't treat pros like college kids. I can't that's remember what. which
2: documentary was with Cal Perry when he when, when he went I, over to the NBA. Like there were guys like who like who are you talking to, man? Yeah. Like
3: I'm not, I'm not an 18 year old man. It's already backfiring yep. in Jacksonville, and I know Urban Meyer came out and said no chance he's going to go to USC. But also that's because I don't think USC really wants him. Mm-hmm. Eric, uh, the enemy's already emerged as a favorite for that job. Yeah, you know that's going to be problematic too. We could talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issues with that. Uh, when when would he be able to leave the Chiefs? Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So the is going to have, uh, I think, some problems taking that USC job. Might be Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. But uh, I'm not even sure Urban Meyer would be the choice by USC. Uh, but this Jaguars team today, how, how do you power rate Jacksonville today? Number 32 in the NFL? 31 or 32. They got to be. How can you rate the Jaguars behind the tower, ahead of the Texans? You right. can't. If the you Texans. look at their schedule, they're already a favorite to get the first overall pick again right. this year. The Texans just curb stomped uh, the Jaguars, so right now it's the worst team in the league. And even though I think this number Broncos minus six might be a little bit high, you got you got to pump the number up because who's going to want to bet Jacksonville? Right.
2: Of course. And look, overreactions, it's interesting because we always talk about overreactions, and it might be like, well, it's kind of an overreaction if you're willing to lay six there on the road after week one. Well, here's the thing. It was already down on Jacksonville after week one. So for me, it's actually not that much of an overreaction. This is in line of where this should have been to begin with. So uh, big news. uh, Those are the bigger storylines out of the National Football League up to this point. Keep an eye on those injury reports and everything. Uh, On the other side, though, let's dive into a little bit of Major League Baseball, specifically the AL Wild Card. We have some big games going on right now in the pecking order of the AL wildcard. One team right now with uh, we'll call it the, like the 14th, 15th hardest schedule in Major League Baseball and is right now tied with three other teams in the AL wildcard race has odds of minus 245 to make it to the postseason. And no thanks. We'll tell you who that is when we come back on The Edge.
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Edge on VCN, the sports betting network.
2: Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VCN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24-7 video streams, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access to vCN.com data and analysis. You get everything we offer for only 22 bucks a month. Sign up now at vCN.com slash subscribe. Humans JVT with you here today on the edge. So Major League Baseball, of course, we have a uh, quite a few day games underway today and some important ones at that Boston just took a one nothing lead over the Seattle Mariners right now with one out uh, to go in that inning of play. I think we're in the top of the first sort of early spot there for Boston Toronto all over Tampa Bay right now four to nothing bottom of the fourth inning humans and uh, Washington a back and forth affair five to four top of the eighth inning with them in
3: Miami, one final in the books Milwaukee Falls. To Detroit by a score of 4-1, to one. but I wanted to open up with this. Yeah, with the Red Sox, yeah. that was uh, Hunter Renfro with the solo homer, Okay, and uh, by the way, Robbie Ray gets to start today as a big a big favorite against the Rays. You're not going to see the Rays getting that type of plus price too often.
2: Uh, have you seen what Robbie Ray has done up to this point too? Four innings pitched, just two hits, eight strikeouts yeah. already for Robbie Ray. This guy has been absolutely phenomenal. We, I mean, we've talked about the Cy Young race. Uh, the, the gap should be much smaller between him and Gary Cole when it comes right. to winning the AL Cy Young. Robbie Ray's been fantastic. Especially if they're going to win this wild card. And you see the closing price right there, as uh, humans mentioned $1.80. That's all respect. For Robbie Ray. So let's build on this because this blue Jays team has been absolutely on fire. And right now they find themselves in a three way tie with the Yankees and the Red Sox for the two wild card spots. So my math says one of these teams is going to get eliminated. Mm-hmm. So we have this wild card standings for you. And this is its always a fun exercise. There's not that many games left. But if you look at this from this perspective, we've included the other two teams. The Mariners are only two games back the athletics, two and a half games back. In the middle, you see the odds to make the postseason via DraftKings. Clearly, what sticks out is the Yankees minus 245 to make the postseason. But here's the thing, and this is what gets me. The Blue Jays $1.80 favored. The Red Sox minus 185. Yes, it doesn't compute three teams for two playoff spots all favored to make the postseason. Look at the Blue Jays and the Red Sox strength of schedule for the rest of the way. Right, That includes today, by the way. 482 is the reigning strength of the schedule for the Blue Jays, the 23rd hardest schedule or seventh easiest. You want to put it that way in Major League Baseball. The Red Sox 424. That is the easiest schedule left in Major League Baseball. The Yankees still have games against the the Rays, for example. Well, well, at the let's end put of the it this way:
3: uh, when you're breaking down the schedule at right. this point, I would bet the plus price on the Yankees to miss the playoffs. Yes, the final nine games of the season for the Yankees: three at Boston, three at Toronto, and three at home against Tampa Bay. Yep. That's, that's brutal. They would be lucky to go five and four in those final nine games. I, I believe the Yankees are way overpriced here at minus 245 to make the playoffs.
2: And, and, to, and put it even simply like this, you're telling me with the Yankees, who have the 14th hardest schedule left in Major League Baseball, again, by far, compared to the two contemporaries right there in Toronto and Boston, right? and yet a 71% chance to make the postseason, given how they've played lately. I think right? it's more like 50-50. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. So I was, yeah. you know, when I did this exercise yesterday, I wanted to go through I couldn't find anywhere in Nevada that offered the make the playoffs, like updated at this right, point right, right. now. Because I'm with you. I wanted to bet the no on New York. Uh, Given the price and given what you were coming back, I I thought there was a lot of value there. And I just think it's really hard to make the case. Teams like the Mariners, the Athletics, who find themselves as far back as they do right now, and you're talking about their strength of schedules, the Athletics have the fourth-hardest schedule left in Major League Baseball. The the Mariners have the 12th-hardest schedule, right? the second-hardest among the uh, the contenders for the two wild-card spots. For me, it's just a play against the Yankees. Blue Jays, Red Sox probably make it in, but I just don't think that the Yankees are going to do it. So you're getting nearly 2-1 to one
3: on something like that? Count me in. Count me in. Now with that... That's a big win if the Red Sox can get it today in Seattle. Yep. Uh, this is that game of musical chairs, right? You got you got two chairs open, you got five people circling around those two chairs, and somebody's going to get left out. Right now, if you ask me who's going to get left out, I would say the Yankees, the Mariners, and the A's. Mm-hmm. And the Blue Jays and Red Sox would be playoff teams, uh, just because the Yankees, after this series with Baltimore, the Yankees face a very difficult schedule down the stretch.
2: Yep, and a, a win in this game, too. This is the rubber match for Boston right. and Seattle, too, by the way. So a win for either team would be pretty big, taking a series from the other uh, as they're kind of jostling for that position in the AL wildcard race. So that th- this is pretty interesting, right? So the New York Yankees, they get the Baltimore Orioles today. Uh, Nestor Cortez gets the start. But because the Yankees, who had not been performing very well, what are they, 2-8 and eight in their last 10, something like that, this is where you finally start to see some market adjustment, right? Nestor Cortez was the star, the listed starter. Dollar forty was the opening price tag for the New York Yankees here on the overnight against the Baltimore Orioles and John Means. Now we're up to like minus 182, 180. But you're talking about when these two teams met, right, a couple of weeks ago when they were facing off in New York. Listen to the closing price tags on this. 240, 360, 345 for the New York Yankees yeah. when they were playing Baltimore in New York. Now you're in Baltimore today. Your opener on the overnight was minus 140. You think there's been an adjustment?
3: <sighs> Yankees <laughs> Yankees are 5-12 and 12 in their last 17 games. Yep. Playing very poor baseball right now. Basically not pitching well enough, not hitting well enough to be a playoff team. They're, they're fortunate right now to be able to catch the Orioles. Uh, at a time when they desperately need wins. And, and I, and this is the
2: one thing that I keep bringing up. And when you talk about John Means and the way that this, with his Orioles team. You know, this price is going to get to a point. If we're talking about getting to that plus 170 range. John Means has been... He's turned things yeah, around since okay. the Rocky start. He has been really solid last time out seven innings strong against Kansas city, gave up two earned runs was taken deep. Once gave a struck out five and gave up two walks. He pitched five innings in New York against this Yankees team. Just two weeks ago, five innings, three hits, two earned runs, a one Homer. They ended up losing that one in extras, but regardless, Means is not the same guy who was getting beaten for like five earned runs, four right. He got that six run blow up against the Detroit Tigers. The injury seems to have subsided, and he's turned things around. So I am kind of surprised. I'm not surprised that the market moved in the Yankees direction. No, I'm surprised no. for how high it has gotten. Like thirty five cents is a pretty big bump.
3: I guess, but you know how people are going to bet baseball at this point. The Yankees yeah. have to have the have to have the game. The Orioles are playing for nothing. If you watched the um, the game last night, Judge Stanton, the Yankees put on that power display that makes you think. God, when this lineup's healthy, uh, these guys are unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're, you're going to see the uh, the favorites need to win priced a little bit higher. Those prices are going to be inflated here down the stretch.
2: So as we talk about the American League, there are big games left in the National League. And I wanted to make sure we get to this one because don't look now, but all of a sudden it is the St. Louis Cardinals who have a half-game lead Uh, for the second wild card spot in the National League. After we talked about, was it going to be the Cincinnati Reds? Was it going to be the San Diego Padres? Those two dueling back and forth. And look, the Reds are within a half game. The Padres are within one. But the Cardinals, who have been playing extremely well, they have won four straight. They're six and four in their last ten. I'd say the last month has been really good baseball from St. Louis. Now they send out John Lester today against the New York Mets and Tyler McGill. We've seen a 10-cent, 5-cent bump depending on your openers and where you look for the New York Mets, and, and I get it. The Metropolitans have been, I guess, a little bit better lately, but this is still a team that's 4-6 and six in their last 10. They've lost two straight. McGill has been up and down with his performances.
3: I get that it's Lester, but I am surprised to see
2: this price tag yeah. on St. Louis given yeah. the way that they've been playing.
3: I, would, that, I think that might be the dog of the day in baseball. The Cardinals are red hot. They've won four in a row. Uh, I said on the show about a month ago, watch out for the Cardinals. There's a team that could get hot. It's St. Louis. And uh, the Padres have been ice cold. They dropped five in a row. Uh, They fall again last night in San Francisco. And um, it's hard to have any faith in the Padres the way they're playing right now. Yeah. Uh, Well, it is. you You know another thing about the Cardinals, JVT, they didn't make any real significant moves at the trade deadline.
2: Yeah. No, they didn't. They've no. just been kind of chugging away with the same crew, right? right. They've been kind of going and moving along. Uh, don't forget, they, they acquired big arm and Jay Happ. You know, that was... Jarmois. <laughs> but I think, too, when you... And this is my point, too, when it comes to McGill, really quickly. McGill had that really stellar summer, right, where he went through July with a 104 ERA, got beat to crap in the month of August. September, it's been two starts, but it's been two starts that are kind of different, right? Seven innings against the Yankees, in which he gave up only two earned runs and struck out 10, but we know the Yankees have been playing as of late. And then he had a start on the road against the Nationals, where he went six innings, but he gave up forward runs and got taken deep twice. So, like McGill has not been consistent. I'm relatively surprised, given the way this lineup hits for the New York Mets, the boom bust nature of it, and the fact that McGill has been very inconsistent. Yeah. You're talking about a dollar seventy favorite in favor of the Metropolitans. So, you mentioned San
3: Diego. San Francisco becomes the first team to punch their playoff ticket. Now you they're know what's in. What's crazy huh? about the Giants? They could win 104, 105 games and not win the division.
2: I've right. It's it. The Dodgers, yeah, just kind of nipping at their heels, just right. waiting for an opportunity. But it also speaks to why it's so big that you win, right, the series. For the regular season, because it gives you that little bit of a cushion. But regardless, San Francisco, right now, we saw an opener of San Diego minus 120. Now we're looking at a pick in that range, minus 110. I agree with this market move. Even with Dominic Leone on the hill here with San Francisco, this San Francisco team has proven it is one of the best teams in Major League Baseball, if not the best in the National League, given how well they have played. To open them up as an underdog at home against San Diego didn't really make much sense. No,
3: it doesn't. <laughs> So I, I think you have to. In baseball today, I circled the Giants and the Cardinals as uh, two potential plays. And uh, you just. Sometimes you have to look a little bit past the pitching matchup and say, hey, this team's hot. They're winning right now. The other team's not. And uh, I think the Giants should be favorites in this game.
2: Yeah, I get Joe Musgrove has been pretty good for the San Diego Padres and he's coming off of 2 three, I will call it actually four really good starts. But I just think when it comes to the power rating of San Francisco overall, how good and how balanced their lineup can really be. Sure. It's it's hard to say that they should be an underdog really against anybody other than the Los Angeles Dodgers.
3: Dodgers are just showing nothing right now. They look like a flat team, and uh, they're in a tailspin.
2: Not going well. Not going well. Uh, but, hey, the team that has lost five straight, sure, they deserve to be favored on the road against the division leader in the San Francisco Giants. All right. Uh, we will, we'll go, let's go to college football on the other side because there's a couple of games down the board that I really want to pick human's brain on, especially, I got to say this, you and Stanford gets the big win right against USC. I don't know if I can quit Vandy. Because they kind of win on the road against Colorado State. Big underdog at home against Stanford. We'll be back.
0: This is The Edge on V the Sports Betting Network.
2: Halfway there, here on The Edge. A little bit of college football with you, Matt Humans and Jonathan Von Tobel, in our usual spots. So there are a lot of games uh, a little bit further down the board, humans, other than the big ones that we've been talking about the first couple of days this week. I want to get your thoughts on. And the first one, uh, Stanford on the road. So you get a big win over USC. And, you know, we talked about spots, right? in in the national football league, right? Not a great spot for the Raiders, not a great spot for the saints. I I tend to believe in those kind of situations, a little bit more college. Sure. Right. I do too. Stanford, A big conference win as a massive underdog against USC and and a shellacking, right? Like just a really solid, comfortable win over USC. There there was
3: nothing fluky about it. Stanford was a a 17-and-a-half-point dog that took USC to the woodshed.
2: And now this is quite the
3: role reversal. You're a a 17-and-a-half-point dog in that spot
2: against USC. Now you hit the road to take on Vanderbilt, and in this spot right now, market wide, you're looking at Stanford as a 12, you can get 11 and a half to 12 and a half, and anywhere every between for this number. So you should be able to get whatever you want here. But regardless. To go from a 17.5-point underdog to now a road favorite of that size against Vanderbilt, who, uh, by the way, just went on the road and got a win over Colorado State as a 7-point underdog. And this is what I find pretty interesting, right? It's the role reversal for Stanford, but it's also another week, and I can understand why to a certain extent, that the market is moving against Vanderbilt, right? Right. The the market went in a big way against them with Colorado State, moving them from a 1-point favorite to a 7-point favorite, and now back at home from an opener of 9 up to as high as 12.5. I don't like Vandy. I don't know if I'm going to quit off the Vandy's
3: train, Well, you and I were talking about this game last week, and uh, I I said with a new coach for the Commodores, Clark Lee, the former Mm -hmm. Notre Dame defensive coordinator, I thought this team was going to continue to show improvement. It's too much to expect a new coach in week one to have his team firing, right? So you lose 23-3, to you look bad. I thought Vandy was going to get better. And uh, I still think Vandy's going to be a team that shows improvement. Stanford, uh, Are are the Cardinals as good as they looked last week when they uh, whipped USC? Probably not. Uh, But I still think this number does look a little bit inflated. And uh, I I made the number in this game actually 8.5. Stanford 8.5 at Vandy. Uh, 12 might be a little bit high. Does that mean I want to jump on Vandy? I'm not sure. I've thought about it. By the way, this game was scheduled because Derek Mason, the former Vandy coach, was an assistant Mm. to David Shaw at Stanford. And then, of course, Derek Mason got fired last year. So that's the reason these teams are playing. That's um, a Wes Reynolds did-you-know fact for you. I like it. That's why Stanford and Vandy are playing this week. But
2: Clark Lee's father. That's also another (laughs) Wes Reynolds fact.
3: Clark Lee did a great job as Notre Dame defensive coordinator. He's going to do a good job with this program. It's obviously a very difficult job uh, to win. But Vandy is one of those teams, I think, along the point you're trying to make, might be a little bit undervalued right now because that first game was so ugly.
2: Right, and it's just the market consistently moving and getting some of the numbers that are off of those. Like you said, you made your number eight and a half. That's right in line with the opener of nine. So, and just, we talk about this all the time, right? Texas was a good example. Now you get Stanford. Stanford loses to Kansas State to open the season. The, the, Faith in Stanford is at an all time low. USC, you take them on 17 and a half. You got people loving to go into that and laying that with USC, right? Market wasn't moving off of that right. number. And then, sure enough, you get this spot after a big win where the market's like, ah, oh, you know what? Maybe they're not that bad. And maybe they are just exactly what you thought they were and sure nine, 10 point favorite on the road. So, outside of that, let's go to the Big Ten, Maryland and Illinois. So, report is, is that Brandon Peters is going to be back under center here for Illinois. I don't think it makes that much of a difference. I don't think it does. Right. Like, Art said, is was fine. Six touchdowns, one interception. You know, he'll take everything that you give him, but he won't make massive plays. So, I don't think this is worth a bump there for Illinois. And I got to say, man, like, I, you and I talked about this at the beginning of the year before that matchup with Nebraska, where it was, Brett Miele in the system gives you, like, a baseline, right? But this running game hasn't really been that strong. No. They've coming off of two really bad losses. Like, it's at an all-time low here for Illinois, and the market right now like, there, there is some faith in Maryland. I can understand why. Open was five. Now we're over that seven mark. Seven and a half across the board for the Terps on the road.
3: Yeah, and I think that first game that Illini win and the season opener are a little bit deceiving mm-hmm. uh, because some really pivotal plays, kind of kind of the luck factor worked in Illinois' favor.
2: Oh, Nebraska shot themselves yeah. in the
3: foot so many times. So Illini probably a little bit overvalued off that Nebraska game, and then they've c- crashed back to earth here in the last couple. I think that uh, this number still looks a little bit high to me, though. Uh, I think Circa Open 5. Yep. Is that right? I, uh-huh. I agree more with the Circa Opener.
2: Yeah, Talia tungle has been pretty good. 76% completion, six touchdowns, 606 yards. Hasn't turned the ball over. And this secondary has been really bad for Illinois.
3: Really bad. It's, it's really bad. But I also agree with your point that I don't think the quarterback change makes yep. really any difference for the Illini.
2: Yeah, so I, I'm fascinated to see what, what this game is going to be because had a small lean toward Maryland when these numbers open, but uh, those pros, they attack them pretty quick and now you're at that seven and a half circus update and so is the South Point. Other game on the board. This is more about the spot and what we just kind of think about this team overall. How do we handle Washington at this point right now? Because this offense has looked absolutely dreadful, right? We thought that maybe the market was overreacting in that spot against Michigan. Not the case. Another just performance from Washington Mm -hmm. offensively against Michigan uh, in an extremely boring game, by the way. And now you get Arkansas State back at home. You're laying 16 and a half with a total of 57 and a half. Like, is the faith here for Washington? Is this a spot where the market thought, yeah, maybe in each spot before didn't cover, and now maybe this is the spot where you're getting a discount where it should be a little higher.
3: Well, I, I, if, if you ask me what to do with this game, I'd say take the 17. Arkansas right. State, uh, the Red Wolves have some offensive firepower. They put up uh, 90 points in their first two games, yep. <laughs> including 50 against Memphis. So uh, you would, I think a lot of people look at this and say, well, this is going to be a get-right game for the Huskies. Uh, they need to bounce back and uh, put some points on the board. I'm not sure they can. I think they can put some points on the board against Arkansas State, which is a, a below-average defensive team, but I'm not sure they can put enough on the board to cover 17. Yep. And, in fact, the market is 16.5 uh, at most spots on this game. But I'm with you. The Washington's also had cluster injuries at the receiver position. And um, I'm not – going into the season, I was, a lot, uh, I was a lot more skeptical than most about Washington. Uh, Phil Steele had Washington most improved team in the nation, Right. Uh, I know Kenny White was high on Washington. I was not. I, I ranked Washington the sixth best team in the Pac 12, and they've actually played about like the ninth best team in the Pac 12. Yep.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I uh, didn't pick Washington to win the division, didn't pick Washington, obviously, to get out of the Pac 12. So I had my questions about this. And that's the worry for me is when your priors before the season start to get confirmed in a big way. Like, I didn't think this
3: offense was going to be any good. Wondered, the first two weeks were awful. You wondered about the coach, you wondered <laughs> yep. about the quarterback.
2: Yep. And when it plays out the way that you expect, yeah. then you, you definitely start to get down on a team. Uh, how about we, we got one more to get to really quick. We can maybe fit in two more. Uh, the last one, I just want to note an injury potentially, but Oklahoma State of Boise State has potential to be a pretty good game here. Uh, Boise State right now, if you look at the board, four, either three and a half or four before it's dominate the board. You can get those three and a half if you want to lay it with Boise State. Uh, but an interesting non-con matchup here, right? Because uh, next week you have to go on the road, take on a good Utah State team, right? right? Conference play starts in earnest for you next week, so we'll see what that's going to be like for Boise State. But Oklahoma State hasn't really impressed up to this point, right? You're talking about tight games, 11.5-point favorite against Tulsa. You won 28-23. You laid 32.5 against Missouri State. They barely got out of that one. But before that Missouri State game, late quarterback switch, Spencer Sanders wasn't available. So what do you make of Oklahoma State in this spot on the smurf? Well,
3: it's a good question because I, I like Boise in the game, but the markets move the other way. Yep. There's been support for Oklahoma State. I, I think at minus four, it's kind of a um, – that might be the buy point for me on Boise. I, I've thought about playing that this morning. I made the number a little bit higher. I've not been that impressed with the Cowboys. And last week I ended up on Tulsa yeah. uh, against Oklahoma State. So, uh, and by the way, the Cowboys were lucky to win that game as 11.5-point favorites. I, I'm not especially high on this Boise team. Uh, in fact, you and I both rated different teams, number one in the Mountain West. But on the blue turf, In this spot, I I think four is a little bit cheap on Boise. That's that's my lean right now. I have not bet it yet.
2: So the last one that we wanted to get to here in the last 90 seconds or so – Uh, That was going to be Iowa State uh, taking on UNLV. This is going to be a road spot. It's going to be down the street from here at Allegiant. Uh, I wanted to note a couple of things here, and I think it's an intriguing spot. One, UNLV, Doug Brumfield, we'll see if he's going to be available. Uh, Concussion rumors are that he's not potentially going to be on the field for the Rebels. Uh, He is their best option to quarterback. Maybe it's going to be the Tate Martell show uh, for UNLV. So we'll see if that's going to be one. But this is the interesting spot. So, a couple of things. One, Matt Gamble has said that Brock Purdy is going to be the guy going forward after he got benched last week. But this is that, as some people call it, the dream crusher, right? You have a big spot in prime time against Iowa, and you just completely dump the bed, right? You have absolutely nothing. Your offense is atrocious. You turn the ball over. You give Iowa a comfortable win. So, there's two ways to look at it. Dream is crushed. You're not as good as you thought you were. You limp through a non-conference opponent that's not very good. You don't cover a big number. Or – you come out, you try to work out the kinks, and you beat the absolute crap out of the team to feel better for yourself.
3: I think it's gonna be the former. Right. Uh, when you when you get that hyped up for a matchup against your rival like the Cyclones were for Iowa last week. That was a that was a top ten matchup. <laughs> You're on your home field. Everybody came back. This Didn't is the best rival. Iowa State team ever, yep. possibly. Matt Campbell has never defeated Iowa. I think it's gonna be a real emotionally defeating loss for the Cyclones to take. And I think they're probably going to sleepwalk through the first half in this game. Now, the other way to look at it is they could probably sleepwalk through the first half and still lead by twenty-four. <laughs> yep. Because UNLV is that bad and that poorly coached. I, uh, the wild card here is going to be the quarterback. If if UNLV can somehow start Doug Brumfield or Tate Martell, I think uh, the Rebels would be a pretty good bet to cover this number. If they go with Justin Rogers, they have no chance. Yep, and uh, the number is up to thirty-two at circa right now.
2: Yeah, it's been really subpar play. Uh, but with, you have to
3: watch the UNLV quarterback situation. Yeah,
2: we're, it's, it's been really subpar with Rogers. It's been pretty surprising uh, how poor the quarterback has, uh, play has been with him out there on the field. All right, uh, we'll call it a call it a segment. When we come back, best bets and a little bit more. Bet now or bet later. So numbers in the NFL.
3: I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe win a one-on-one
1: yeah, contest. Yeah, because
0: you got to think, Love he's it. going guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going exactly. guard. Like You see him in
1: the exactly. Olympics, he's going guard, and then on I'm top of it, like that. See
3: that.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came in my room crying tears, <laughs> t- I mean, he was in a culture shock, and then he's going to withdraw us about winning.
0: Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? it. Ain't <laughs>
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Edge on VCN,
0: the sports betting network.
2: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way. vsin is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com All right. Last couple of minutes. It's already over. Day's done. Kind of sad, actually. It brings a tear to my eye. Best bets time. So I added two here, Matt humans and we could dive into both of them a little bit because they're not things we have talked about today. So to recap, the two that I added earlier in the week, Eagles plus four of the 49ers, looked like I got the, actually for both of these, a, a solid grab in terms of a number. Eagles plus four, that was at circa. That was the high. Three and a half is now across the board. No fours to be found. Patriots minus five. Looks like five and a half, potentially some sixes out there too. So that was solid today going uh, Falcons bucks under 52. So uh, point spread weekly comes out today. So this is the perfect time to bring it up, but wrote about this with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, There is a perception here that this Falcons team is kind of an over team, right? You know, really poor defensively and an offense that is adequate enough to score some points for you, but it hasn't been the case. First three games of the season last year go over the total humans. Since then, including last week, 10-4 and four to the under, the Atlanta Falcons have been. This is a team that offensively was absolute garbage last week. How about this? First two drives, five yards per play. They get field goals out of both of them. The rest of the game, 2.1 yards per play. The rest of the way for the Atlanta Falcons. That's sad. Their offensive line is one of the worst in the national football league. Taking on a front seven that's going to be absolutely dominant in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, Murphy Bunting is going to be out. I don't think the Falcons have enough to make this a shootout. I think this is going to be a lower scoring affair yet again for Atlanta, so under 52 uh, in that one. And then I'm going to play a number here, and I'm going to play on some perception as well. Uh, but I don't have a very high read on, on Michigan State. I don't think they're that good. I think the market's a little low on Miami after two failed covers, one against Alabama, one against Appalachian State, a quality team. you under that key number of seven. I'll lay six and a half uh, for my first college football play of the weekend right now because I think Miami's in a pretty good spot here.
3: Yeah, I, I didn't play that game, but if I forced to play it, I would play Miami. I think uh, maybe the opinion or the market's a little bit uh, overvaluing Michigan State mm-hmm. off a blowout win over Northwestern. A Northwestern team that's really not very good uh so and you know you get blown out by Alabama. who cares that's gonna happen right. so you you can't downgrade Miami off the uh blowout loss to uh to Alabama all right my uh, best bets for this week, and I put four of these five up yesterday, Panthers plus four over the Saints, that number's now coming down, Patriots minus five over the jets, that number's now going up, and Vikings plus four and a half over the Cardinals in uh, college football. Uh, this is my first bet this week. Notre Dame minus seven over Purdue. We're now seeing the market move to seven and a half and eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, BYU plus three and a half over Arizona State. I'm surprised JBT at this point that Arizona State's a three and a half point road favorite in Provo. And I know uh, I'm big on situational handicapping. I know this is a nightmare spot for the Cougars mm-hmm. off the big win over Utah where you stop a nine-game losing streak to your rival. But – Arizona State hasn't shown me anything at this point that it's a better football team than BYU and should be favored by more than a field goal on the road. I, I like Jaron Hall a lot, the new quarterback for BYU. This is still a team with a lot of talent. Yeah, Zach Wilson's gone. Jaron Hall can move the ball. Uh, I, I think BYU's got a, a great shot to win this game straight up. I'll take the three and a half. So I, I think that's a market overreaction uh, to the bad spot to BYU's in off the uh, – the upset of Utah a week ago. Yep.
2: So with that, uh, let's move on to the National Football League. And there's a couple of games, right? Better now or better later when we talk about the line moves and where they could potentially go. Uh, one of the games, actually, that I wanted to bring up, there is some breaking news to address right now. This is just up uh, on Twitter. Todd Archer, who covers the Dallas Cowboys, reported this uh, for ESPN NFL Nation. Today in practice, defensive end Demarcus Lawrence suffered a foot injury listed as a limited participant, Randy Gregory, absence due to COVID. So now all of a sudden the Dallas Cowboys have a different look and pass rush on Sunday potentially against the Los Angeles Chargers, a-, a Cowboys team that I would think a lot of people upgraded from a power rating perspective just because we didn't really know what we were going to get out of them, right, in that Thursday night contest. So across the board right now, you're talking about Los Angeles, the three-point favorite, shaded to that side at minus 120 Three minus 110 here at the South Point. They don't alter the juice on the threes. So what, what was your read here? You've brought this up before. Chargers historically have not been great as a home favorite. This is a different regime, so maybe that changes. But injuries along a defensive front facing an offensive line that is rebuilt and a little bit better this year, not the greatest situation for Dallas.
3: No, it's not. And does a team have a more difficult schedule to open the season than the right. Cowboys at Tampa, at, a, at the Chargers. I wonder if the uh, the Chargers, it was a little bit deceiving how efficient they were offensively. They were 14 for 19 on third down conversions last week against that supposedly dominant Washington defensive front, right? Yeah. That was a little bit surprising. Uh, now, just one of the nuances to NFL handicapping I talk about a lot is the Chargers historically are really weak as home favorites. The Cowboys are better as road dogs. We saw that in the opening Thursday night game. And um, I thought I was a little bit surprised – to see this number at three, I thought it was going to open three and a half, but I think that what it tells you here is that uh, this is going to be a, these are two evenly matched teams, and it's going to be a type of game that goes down to the wire, probably going to be decided by a field goal. And I think the Cowboys have enough offensive firepower that they can beat just about anybody, and they, they showed that last Thursday. We still don't know what to make of the Cowboys' defense.
2: Mm hmm. I do wonder if you look at it from the perspective of how Dallas plays this from an offensive standpoint, right? Uh, we know that through the ball 50 times, with Dak Prescott in the game against Tampa Bay, uh, maybe that changes though a little bit because we're, you know, Washington ran the ball pretty well against Los Angeles, right? 27 carries, 126 yards, 4.7 per carry. Antonio Gibson outside of the two fumbles was really good too. So I wonder if maybe we start to see a little bit more Zeke Elliott in this kind of a game. I think you have to right.
3: Dak Prescott can't put the ball in air 50 plus times every game. Right. And, if the Cowboys are going to be effective, they've they've got to find a way to get Zeke Elliott uh, going on the ground. And with Zach Martin back, that's going to be a big key to the Cowboys' running game.
2: It does look like it might be a higher-scoring game, though, uh, because I don't think either one of these uh, – both of these defenses, I think, are going to have some issues. And sure enough, we saw this open at 50 in some spots. We're at the 55. On the total between these two.
3: Yeah, it could be. By the way, in that opening Thursday night game, what was Dan Quinn doing, the Dallas defensive coordinator? He was leaving Anthony Brown yeah. out there in single co- – one-on-one coverage with Antonio Brown. You can't do that. You've He's he's your weakest cornerback. He's not a bad corner, but he's weak. He, he's their weakest one. How can you leave him out there without help? And uh, Dan, Dan Quinn, I think, made a lot of mistakes. The Cowboys, what concerns me when you're looking to bet the Cowboys – their coaching staff is below average. What's up about
2: Mike McCarthy? He's Steve Curry. He's going to unlock this team. He's, he's incredible. I thought Kellen Moore,
3: on the flip side, had a great, great game plan offensively for the Cowboys. Yep,
2: he's looking better and better as an offensive coordinator, man. All right, so bet it now or bet it later. So there's a couple of games uh, Thursday night. We haven't really talked a lot about this one. Giants on the road against Washington. I'll have a bigger breakdown for you uh, tomorrow, too, because it is the game day already. It's Thursday. Three minus 120 pretty much everywhere. There's three and a halfs out there, though, but you're going to you're gonna lay a little juice. You want to take three and a half. You're going to lay juice. You're going to lay three and a half. Here at the South Point, it's three and a half minus 110. So, yeah, look, I don't know where this ultimately ends up. I would think that if you're going to bet the Giants, you sit back and you wait. That is the strategy. I think this is going to get to three and a half by the time we get to kickoff
3: tomorrow. Well, I think it's three and a half right now. Yeah, it's it? here
2: at the South Point, but the other three and a halfs are altered juice, right? So you're like, if you want to take three and a half, it's minus 120 pretty much everywhere I can see on my screen right,
3: right now. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, there's gonna be plenty of uh, opportunities. to Take three and a half minus one ten. I I like to play dogs in divisional games, and especially in NFC East games. And um, even though the Giants, I think you're the definition of an ugly dog right now. Yeah, that might be the way I would look. Uh, on the flip side, if you want to make a case, if your argument is, hey, I want to play Washington at minus three, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with that. I think this is one of those. Coin flip games to me, it's it's not a great betting game tomorrow night.
2: Yeah, it's not. And uh, Daniel Jones, uh, I'll, we'll we'll use some of the numbers tomorrow. But Daniel Jones, the, the, the matchup is offensive line versus Washington because Daniel Jones under pressure in his career has been absolutely atrocious. Yeah. and they were not good against Denver. And this is a similar front in terms of the talent that they have in Washington.
3: Daniel Jones does now have 18 lost fumbles. In yeah, his baby career. hands. I think <laughs> that's Dante I think a total of 40 turnovers. And, uh, by the way, I thought the total opened a little bit high yep. at 43. So, 41 is a key number in total. Circa is still at 41. I would lean under the total here. And uh, that would probably be the, uh, my stronger opinion on the game. Right. I, I don't think the quarterback shift for Washington means anything. Yeah, uh, I, I've got Washington rated the same team, whether it's Fitzmagic or Heineken quarterback.
2: So, this one's pretty easy. Chicago and Cincinnati. We're under that three, and it's two and a half across the board. There's spots that are two. It looks like on my spot. Oh, if you have, if you're in the jurisdiction with FanDuel, you can get minus one and a half. So I don't think this is going to get back to three. So you're going to get under that key number here with Chicago. I have not crossed the Bears off of the short, or the the long list for me for this weekend and for some contests too. Uh, it, the Bengals got to win. The Bears look bad, but this might be one of those kind of overreactions from what we saw in Week One for both of
3: these clubs meeting Club in the middle, right? Uh, I know we got to go through these quickly. I, I think yep. at less than a field goal, I would look at the Bears. I know there's been sharp play on the Bengals at plus three, but to me, it's all about the number.
2: And same thing with the Rams and the Colts, right? This is sitting on four. Grab that four.
3: I, I lean to the Colts plus four as home dogs here. Yeah, I yep. think an overreaction to how the Rams offense looks Sunday night.
2: All right. Well, that's it for us. We're all done. If you miss out on any part of the show, it's com slash podcast. And remember coming up next, because it's our new lineup story. about Antonio and our guys in the desert.
0: offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper?